Protect yourself from identity theft and take complete control of your debit card with Secure Lock Equip from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Visit fabnt.com for details. Member FDIC. Into the front court, right side, Joe on the move for three, and it's good. Isaiah with his second three. He's got eight in the first half. Hogs are up for the first time today, 33-31 with a minute 11 to go. Into the front court, Isaiah. Joe, quick three, and it's good. Joe with a three with a minute nine to go. Hogs are back up 74-68. Isaiah Joe across the timeline, 10 seconds to play. Joe's dribbling this one out. Arkansas has won the game. 78 to 68. Our final score is the clock strikes zero. It's been a while. Feels nice to win. Thought he was great. We're a whole different team with him. I mean, it was, uh, we all know it's been a struggle without him for a variety of reasons. We just can't afford a guy like Isaiah not to be in our lineup. And uh, I thought he was awesome. You know, he just, he, he opens up three balls for other people as well, just his, just being out there. And I thought he moved really well. I thought he got a little bit winded at, at, at certain stretches. But, you know, look, we won a game at home in double digits and, and got one of the best players back in uniform tonight in, in, in the conference. And, you know, now we got to get ready for Tennessee and we know what happened last time we played him. All right, welcome to the zone. Guess who's back? Isaiah, Joe, in a big way, and the most shocking statistic of the weekend, or number, if you will, 38. Played 38 minutes. Mm. Would, you you could have given me 50 to 1 odds. I would have never taken that he would play over 30 minutes in the game. One of the things with that knee, you, you just you got to leave him in there. If you, if you can't just bring him in and out, in and out, in and out, and that, you, you take the chance of that knee getting tight over there. So, I think that was the, the ideal situation. You put him in there, you keep him in there, and when you take him out, you, you, you give him a long break like at halftime, and then you give him a chance to warm back up before the second half begins. So I think that was part of it, but I think they did play him a little bit more than they wanted to. I think Musselman said in his post-game press conference, 35 or 36 minutes was the ideal situation, but they played him a little bit more, and he responded. Isaiah Joe, man, we didn't hit on it enough, and and I give credit to the coaches. They didn't make excuses while he was out, but when you start hearing what he means to the team now that he's back, it makes a lot of sense that they drop five straight games without him, and it's not just his scoring. It's not just his defense. It's not just now they have another another guard. You know, now they can go to that five-guard lineup. Now they can rest guys. They can sit on the bench for a couple minutes and let uh, have a rotation at the guard spot. But here's the thing that one of the coaches said, and Coach Z said it after the game too, all of a sudden now, the team's, the opponent's best defender maybe is on Isaiah Joe, or maybe he's on Isaiah Mason, but then the second best defender's on one of those two guys. Now that means the third best defender that guards the guards is on a Desi Seals or Jimmy Witt. And then the fourth best guy is now on Desi Seals or Jimmy Witt. What it does, it takes the best defender and slides him off of a Desi Seals or Jimmy Witt. It helps because their best players are having to guard Arkansas's best players. And then all of a sudden, that frees up Desi Seals to go off like he does or Jimmy Witt. It, there's a domino effect with Isaiah Joe coming back that I don't think anyone realized until you see him back and you go, wow, he does mean a lot. So Arkansas is not really in any different position than we thought they were before probably going in, and I think everybody anticipated they'd have a good shot to beat Missouri here. Tomorrow's or Wednesday's game becomes huge now with Tennessee. Lenardi does not have Arkansas in the field, doesn't have him in the first four out, doesn't have him in the next four out. 
So he doesn't even have him in the picture right now. From what well, I already does it. I looked at him this morning. Well, he Jerry, came on during the game, and he said if Arkansas wins three out of their last four, assuming they beat Missouri, that he had a great and win one SEC game, a better than fifty percent chance of being in the NCAA tournament. He obviously doesn't think that's going to happen as of today because he wasn't in as an updated uh, list. I looked at it today. He does not have them in the mix. Jerry Palm has them in right now. Yep, Jerry Palm does have them in right now. So he's he's a little more optimistic about Arkansas's chances with Isaiah Joe. That's what it comes down to. How much do you think this means, and how realistic do you think their chances are of winning a significant number of games down the stretch? Well, you look at the schedule, and they have a chance because Tennessee at home, we know what happened the last time, and, and Coach Musselman referenced that at the end of the game. You would think this team has a chip on their shoulder. It's the only time they really didn't show up to play a game. I give a lot of credit to Tennessee, too, because they looked very good in that game. That guard gave them a lot of fits. Uh, he did what he wanted to do, but it's at home. Now you have Isaiah Joe back. You have a little momentum. Can you build on that momentum and beat Tennessee at home? Then you go on the road. It's a – you know, Georgia's not good, no, but, but they better. just beat Auburn, you well, know, at they, home. They won this weekend on the road. I mean, admittedly, it's Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt's shown yeah. that they can at times be competitive at least. So to get any road win for Georgia at this point is good. So I got to say they're playing better. That's safe to say, right? No doubt. And when you have a guy who's projected by some to be the number one overall pick in the NBA draft, you know they have talent. It's just what do they have around him, and can you slow him down enough to win? But it is a road game, and but it's Georgia. You have a chance. It, it goes sure. back to what we said last week. You have a chance to win all four of these games, but you have a chance to lose all four of these yep. games. Can they put together four very – it's going to take very solid efforts, shooting nights, good play to win these four games. Can you do it four times in a row? It's too much of a stretch of my imagination to think they're going to win them all. But I think they can win a couple of them. Yep. And I, again, I think a huge feather in your cap would be beating Tennessee in the rematch. Well, and the big game will be LSU. You have It'll to be hugely LSU. Help. It's a quad one right now. They're ranked number 29. If they slip anymore, it's not a quad one, but you need that quad one victory. That would be um, one of those that it's a notch in your belt when it comes yeah. to the NCAA selection committee. I agree. be hugely helpful. I don't and, know what they have to do anymore. And the and Aggies are just like uh, – well, they're better than Georgia, obviously, but they're, I think they're 8-6 and six in the SEC now, and Buzz Williams has the Aggies playing a lot better. So yeah. that'll be a tough game, even though you beat them the first game of the season. I guarantee you this is a much different A&M team than Arkansas saw way back in January in the conference opener. We've got official game balls and jockstraps by Ramco coming up a little bit later, but, yeah, you got to give a game ball to, to uh, Texas A&M. They knocked off Mississippi State this weekend, which – Again, that's a huge blow to Mississippi State's outside chances of making the NCAA tournament. Um, Lenardi has four SEC teams in as of this morning, so I would assume Florida's mm-hmm. that fourth team. He had uh, Over the weekend, he had four in and four on the bubble, and he said that uh, either being sure. last four in, first four out, or next four out. There were four SEC teams, and Arkansas was one of those. So I don't know what happens after Saturday except for Arkansas won. Um, well, I just think they're in the same position. I mean, they're probably, there's eight teams – nationally he's looking at that are ahead of Arkansas but I guess if he I would bet if he went to a third four mm-hmm. Arkansas is there yeah. Arkansas. but again there's so much work to be done that's going to determine they did get a little help sort of by proxy this weekend with Indiana beating a top 10 Penn State team well the main thing they have to do is win yeah. you can't worry about the other teams and what they do no that's true you, you got to go up and put up if you put up four wins here on out you're in I, I'm, I'm fully convinced of that you win four more you're in if you win three out of four, go to the SEC tournament, win a game, you got a chance. You know what's weird about the Arkansas game the other day, and I don't know if they'll be able to do this against Tennessee with the size that Tennessee has, 
but you look at the way that they played their players, and, and Bailey played 31 minutes. He was the only, and I'm making air quotes, big that played any significant time at all. He's their, He was their only guy of any of any size that plays post that got some time, and he played pretty well, 4 of 8. you got to be happy with that, 11 points, 5 boards, a couple of steals, no turnovers. Um, Isaiah Joe, the 38 minutes was mind-blowing to me. Jimmy Witt played 39 minutes. Uh, Jalen Harris is one that, you know, appreciate his efforts, but not a particularly good game the other day. No, and he had a costly turnover at the end of the game again, and it's one of those, when it happened, I said on the post-game show, I yelled at my TV, I said, get him out of there. Yeah. Because you can't make those kind of turnovers. It was a pick six. It was a it was a turnover that led to an easy layup, and all of a sudden, you get, they have life. And right. that's the last thing in the world you need to be doing, and you're the guard. You're the point guard supposed to be running this. And he, he had Isaiah Joe open, looked at him, almost threw it to him and decided not to, and then threw it to somebody else and got it picked off. That was bad. Sills played well, shot really well. And then, yeah, Cheney played under five minutes. Silla played 153. Ethan Henderson played 30 seconds, which the guy just started a game. These are the kinds of things I will say again, that uh, when Mike Anderson would do this, we'd be like, what are you doing? Well, it's matchups, and Coach even talked about that after the game. The matchup before was better for Ethan, and he was looking for someone to give them a little energy off the bench. Apparently, Adriel had a good week, came in, and played Adriel well. played really well. Did. So I didn't see this as much as an indication of those guys are struggling. Is They just didn't need to take Adriel out because he was playing so well. I understand that, but you play a guy for a 30 seconds or a minute or whatever, I mean – did you see that? Yeah, he came in and just screwed up. They threw him the pass underneath the goal, goes up, and, and misses a layup. And and I'm sure it's one of those, you're in there for this sole reason, to finish. We put you in to finish, and you missed it. So you're out. I yeah. mean, if you can't do what we ask you to do, you're out of the game. Yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, you're trying to build, and you're going to have matchups like Tennessee where you need him. You're going to need him to play some minutes against LSU. You're not going to build a lot of confidence by playing him for 30 seconds. I just got to find a way to get the kid five minutes and let him get a little bit of experience, a little time. And, again, I think the more they play, the less he's going to be jittery and nervous. And, you know, I don't know. Sills played great off the bench, but he's he's a little more experienced. Mm-hmm. So Desi was awesome. And and Chaney was uh, the same problem with Chaney. He played five minutes and got zero rebounds. And that's the one – and Coach Musselman pointed it out after the game. Uh, he said – we went back and we watched, and you know he had some games where he scored and did some good things, but he wasn't getting defensive rebounds. And that one thing that we need this team to do, your position, you have to get defensive rebounds. If you can't get defensive rebounds, you're not playing for us. That is our big flaw, and especially now when they go back to playing four guards and one big man, you have to get defensive rebounds. He played five minutes, had zero rebounds. How about Arkansas holding Missouri to four of 21? Impressive defensively even better when they made three out of their first five that's really impressive they were one for 16 after that moment that's amazing they really clamped down and one of them was a huge three at the towards the end of the game it made it a three-point game and and all of a sudden you got uncomfortable Mm -hmm. watching it and that's when isaiah we just heard the clip isaiah joe they break the press they get it to him without hesitation early in the shot clock Knocks down the three. Yeah, it was a, it's game over, really. That When he hit that, I was like, game over. I got in the car and came up to the postgame show. That's where Desi drove into the paint, kicked out. Yep. Yeah, I like that. It was great. And, again, he got him going towards the basket, inside out, and it was beautiful. You're right, it was quick. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it worked it out well. Like, I mean, for anybody else, it's pro- maybe Mason's fine. But, yeah, for most guys, that's probably not a great shot at that point in the game. You want to eat, eat a little clock. But uh, I like the fact that they stayed aggressive and he felt it and went with it. He's one of those guys, when he starts playing, that people start yelling layup when he takes a three. Because he's that automatic. You know he's going to make it. And that was one of those shots that he stepped into it, nobody was there, and you fully expected him to make it. 
Wednesday's game is home against Tennessee. As we mentioned, that game is tipping off at 7.30, so 7 o'clock pregame on the buzz. So we want you to uh, check that out. It's actually going to be great because it'll flow right out of drive time sports into that. Uh, Razorback baseball we haven't touched on yet. Hogs are now 7-0 and after a sweep of Gonzaga, which is not insignificant, despite what some would say. Gonzaga is picked to win the West Coast Conference. Gonzaga came to Fayetteville the last three times and won games during the midweek. They also beat them in a tournament in Surprise, Arizona. So they'd won, I believe, four straight over Arkansas coming into this weekend. And look, they're scrappy. If you watch the game, I watched. Every, I think I watched every single inning. They're a scrappy team. They're, they're, they have some older guys that hit, and they, they're always on base. They didn't drive in runs this weekend. That was their problem. Uh, they're Friday and Saturday pitcher who would be their number one and number two, but on Thursday they kind of did like Arkansas and pitched somebody else. Their Friday and Saturday pitchers are legit pitchers. They're going to do really well. They held Arkansas down for five, six innings. So this is a this is a quality team. It's not you know it's not Eastern Illinois. You know the, this was yeah. a, a step up in competition, and now they'll step up in competition even more this weekend when they go down to Houston and Minute Maid Park. But it was a very good weekend for some other guys. What I thought was very encouraging, the guys who were hot in the first weekend weren't hot this weekend. It was a totally different group of guys that carried the team, and you, you needed that throughout the year. You know, Robert Moore, my, my guy, man, he had a huge series. I expect him to either be named SEC Player of the Week or at least the Freshman of the Week. He was that good. Uh, came up clutch time after time after time. He had a big RBI in every single game in this in this uh, series. He had one. This is really neat. You had runners on in, in scoring position, and he was trying to bunt them over to second and third. Well, they the uh, Gonzaga Bulldogs run the wheel route where the shortstop runs to third, the third baseman comes crashing in, and it's hard to get a bunt down. And Van Horn called timeout, wasn't sure if he was getting the signs or not, and talked to him and said, look, if the shortstop vacates the hole, pull the bat back and hit and try to hit one in the hole. They, they'll have the infield running and moving around. If they don't, go ahead and bunt it. So he gets up there. This is a true freshman. Guy goes a stretch. He turns to bunt. Shortstop takes off running, and he just hits a chopper right to the six hole. Nobody's there. Scores a run, and he keeps going and turns into a big inning. I saw it. Uh, most impressive thing he did all weekend to me was the defensive play he had where Ooh. there was a slow roller, and he comes charging in, gets it with his glove, and flips it out of his glove to first base for the out. It was spectacular. And, again, he did it like it was no thing. No big deal. Yeah. It was impressive. It's like he does it all the time in practice. There was another ball hit in a short right field. He runs back, makes a basket catch. You see his speed. It makes you wonder if other second basemen in the past would have even gotten there. And then just if you watch him on the double play balls, how quick his hands are, the transition over to Casey Martin or Casey Martin throwing to him at second and the transition to first. He is an A-plus defender right now as a freshman. He, he is one of the best second basemen defensively in the SEC. What's encouraging is the way he hit the ball this weekend. we got calls on the line. We're going to get to them. Real quick, uh, Casey Martin, slow start again. Did get a home run, I guess, yesterday, but overall not hitting the ball particularly well. What are you seeing from him? Uh, he's coming around. He had uh, the at-bat before he hit the home run. The guy caught it at the wall. He got it up a little high, and the wind knocked it down. Probably got it in on his hands a little bit, but he's close. Uh, to me, he was trying too hard, swinging for the fences. They're throwing him a lot of breaking stuff, and it's kind of what we've seen in the past. Once he calms down, slows down a little bit, he's going to be fine, and, uh, and we saw glimpses of that towards the end of the series. Gary is in Conway. Gary, welcome to the zone. What's going on? Good morning, guys. Hey, how about Indiana knocking off Penn State? That's going to help our resume. Yep, no doubt. That was big. 
And also, I would love to see where Mississippi State doesn't make the tournament, and we do since, you know, Reggie Perry's on there, and he was coming here and changed his mind. Wouldn't that be nice? I know Wes <laughs> definitely agrees with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then one other thing, on a, I love Anderson, and I wish him well, but, you know, in his press conference, he says, hey, all I know how to do is win. Well, you lost 14 last year, and now what have you lost 14 already this year? That's kind of a goofy thing to say, but I wish him well. All right. Y'all have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Gary. The one downside for Razorback Athletics this weekend, the Arkansas women fell on the road to Florida yesterday. And uh, competitive game, come, came back from a pretty big deficit, just couldn't quite get over the hump. But overall, pretty good day on the – pretty good weekend on the hill. Of course, that one didn't happen on the hill anyway. But, you know, bad things happen in Florida when Arkansas sports teams go down there. Stanley. Yes, sir. Welcome. Thank you for, thank you for taking my call. Uh, does Boxside have a new football coach? They, they do. Uh, what happened to the old one? He went to uh, Southwest High School in Little Rock, the brand-new high school. Coach Daryl Patton left Boxsite and will be the uh, head coach there at Southwest High School. Who'd they hire? Oh, oh uh, good, Caleb, good uh, Caleb Perry. Played for the Razorbacks. Uh, yes. Yeah, and he had been around Arkansas a little bit and then went off, and he was an offensive coordinator at Hewitt Trustville High School uh, there in Alabama. And they're a top program, and now he's coming back to Boxsite. Yes. Well, that's one more question. Uh wouldn't Conk make a good coach at UATB? You talking about Clint Conk? Yes, sir. I think he'd be a good coach wherever he went. I don't know if he has any interest in being a college coach again. I think he's enjoying his uh, oh, retirement really? right now. Okay. Well, listen, guys, I sure appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Besides, we need him on our show. We can't have him coaching football. That's right. We need him. Uh, and didn't I see they made it official and took off the interim tag? for the uh, the coach at UAPB. I thought I saw that tweet over the weekend. I heard that. And that was one thing Peterson was wanting to do. He was wanting to keep it stable because they felt like they had a good situation, a good staff, and a good team returning and didn't want to just blow it all up. And it's too late in the game to really be trying to do that and hire a new staff. So I, I, I feel like I'm pretty sure over the weekend I saw that they removed the interim tag. We also need to talk about a couple other things. We had the huge fight over the weekend. We'll talk about that coming up. Also, the announcement that came late Friday that there is not going to be a spring game at War Memorial Stadium per the contract. The SEC nicks it, apparently, or at least that's what we've been told. And so we'll go with that. And there are some people who are very upset about it. I think some people feel like it's not a huge deal. If it was a real game that counted, maybe so. Um but we'll definitely get some reaction to that at some point today. Let me get Stan in here, and then we'll take a timeout. What's up, Stan? Hey, how you doing, Jeff? Good, sir. How are you? Man, I love your show, dog. I love you, buddy. <laughs> you know me? You go back to the football season. But, mm-hmm. hey, look here. Do it. We got, we got them do it. We got them do it. We got two do it three quarterbacks up there. I told them they can get out the edge now because everything going to be all right. I'm a season ticket holder now, so, hey. We're going to win at least six or more games for the football season. They're so not going to win. Everything's going to be all right. They're not going to win six games. But let me ask you this. Have you, ever been, have you ever been a season ticket holder before? No, sir. This is the first time in your whole life that you've bought season tickets to Razorbacks? Yes, sir, because I, like, I love them dual-threat quarterbacks. That will help you win games. But they've had, they they needed, they needed, Stan, they've had a bunch of dual-threat guys. they have Stan, they've had a bunch of dual-threat guys over the no, years. Why are you buying tickets now? This is Matt Jones. Yeah. Yeah. But, hey, they got, hey, they, they got what they need now. Billima didn't have it. He should have had. They could have went. They could have won. They could have went to the SEC time game. They had with Bill. Got Bill had some great players on this team, man. They just ain't had to do a three quarterback. Mm-hmm. But now they got the two two dual three quarterback. They are gonna win at least six or more games next year. What do, and what remember, do you, you heard it first from Stan from Little Rock, baby. Y'all Stan, have a good day. Stan, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's done. Out. What if What if neither one of those guys wins the job? Is he gonna give his tickets back? Oh. Do you ever think about that? Hmm. 
I think they will. They got really I do too. three dual quarterbacks. I, I mean, Felipe Franks is not actually a dual threat quarterback, but he can run it. And, you know, but he's more known for having a big Who's arm, the but he's guy? willing. Well, you got Hornsby, KJ and then Hornsby, yeah. Who? Hornsby, the, f- the true dude, freshman. The freshman, yeah. Malik. Malik? Oh, that's right, yeah. No, he's Leak. the. That's three dual threat guys. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Felipe's not necessarily – that's not his primary. Yeah, I wouldn't classify him as dual threat. What do you, th- what do you run for in Florida? Let me see. He's a willing runner. The year that he passed for his best year was about 2,700 yards or something oh. like that. I'd like to know how many yards he ran for that year. I think he combined for 30 touchdowns running and passing. It seemed like it was like around 23 passing and seven rushing. But Tom Brady runs for a lot of – Touchdowns too, sneak. but it's a quarterback sneak, so I don't know well, how many Felipe have or quarterback sneaks. All he's going to do is take the snap and lay down. And his best year, he had 350 yards running. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, I would it's take a willing that. runner. Yeah, I'd take you know, 350 next year. 40 a game. Yeah, that's really good. Comparatively to you, what you've seen from Arkansas the last several years. And remember, in college, sacks take away from your rushing totals. So he's, he's obviously running for more than that. Well, <laughs> yes, he's going to have plenty of yards taken away from his – Rush yards next year, I imagine. Even with the revamped offensive. Game balls and jock straps brought to you by Ramco. Local service for any and all types of commercial businesses in central Arkansas. Reliable, safe, and responsive trash service. Ramco. We talk trash every day. All right, let's do it. Little game balls and jock straps. We'll talk about the fight here coming up. We've got to talk about uh, how about Little Rock going on the road, a hard-fought victory against Arkansas State, and Arkansas State's women flipped the script and got a hard-fought game over the Trojan women, right? Didn't they win a close game? I thought they won up there. No. The women didn't play each other. I thought they did. No. Okay. Joe Foley got his 800th win, though, when he went down to South Alabama and, and knocked off. The, they were on that Troy-South oh, Alabama right. swing. What was I thinking? And you were thinking Arkansas the State. other Trojans, the Troy Trojans, maybe. Arkansas State did win this weekend, right, the women? And beat the Troy Trojans, maybe possibly? that's what it was. Okay. That's what it was. Yeah, and I knew Foley did because I'd sent him a note this weekend. Yeah. That's right. They were down in Alabama and picked up a big win for them. They needed to turn that thing around after losing five I'm, straight. I'm on crack because, yeah, actually Arkansas State's women lost, so I'm completely <laughs> lost. But, yeah, anyway, congrats to Joe Foley and to the Little Rock men, but we'll uh, – We'll talk some more hoops a little bit later. Yeah, they needed that. Now they're sitting in pretty position for the Sunbelt postseason tournament. We'll talk about it later. Uh, my game ball goes to Bradley Beal, and I know a lot of people are not paying real close attention to the NBA just yet, but he scored 53 points on uh, 15 of 27 for the Washington Wizards in a loss to the Chicago Bulls, but... He had, a, he had a great game, at least. Didn't get a lot of help. And he wasn't an all-star. He averaged 29 points and six assists. The former they left him off the all-star. The former Florida Gator is uh, really good at basketball. Uh, game ball to Dave Ayers, who you may not know. Oh, uh, you stole it, you jerk. That was mine. Go ahead. Take it. So, David Ayers, he, he drives the Zamboni for uh, Toronto. And Carolina's in town, and their goalie gets hurt, and they need an emergency goalie, and so they – Ask around. They're like, well, yeah, David Ayers can do that for you. So they sign him to like a one-day emergency goalie contract. He's sitting on the bench. You know, they got another goalie, right? So he's not going to play. He's just there in case of an emergency. Well, that goalie gets hurt, and Ayers has to go in. And he goes in the game. Not only does he go in, they win the game. Ayers 
Gets well, a game ball. They were up. They were up big when he went in. Well, you're you're hurting the story. It's about great great storytelling. It was up six to one. They were up six to one when he went in. How does this even happen though? Well, you, you have two goalies. One goalie gets hurt the day of the game. You don't have time to fly in somebody from your minor league affiliate to get there in time for the game. So you have to have an emergency goalie. And your emergency goalie just happens to be a guy that hangs out there in a Zamboni drive. Does he work <laughs> out with him? No, he's no. This was in Toronto, so he he works for Toronto. They're in Carolina's playing in Toronto, so they start asking around for an emergency goalie, and they're like, "Yeah, go get old David Ayers. He's a great guy. He's a goalie. And he drives even, a Zamboni." How can that even be legal in a professional sports league where you just grab a slap off the street? Sign him to a contract. That's all you got to do. I guess that's true. They it signed happens him like to- every once in a while, and usually it's just like somebody in the stands. They get somebody in the stands, and they come down and they play goalie. It happens like maybe once every few years. It's and always pretty cool, though. It happens once every few years in the NHL. Yeah, doesn't that add a? Doesn't that take away the legitimacy of your league a little bit? <laughs> I mean, that would be like, hey, uh, our second baseman got hurt, and we really don't have anybody else that can play second base. Hey, you that played for Nebraska Omaha twelve years ago, could you pop down out of the stands and grease up your glove and get ready to <laughs> rock and roll? We'll get you a uni. I don't know why they can't just get one of the actual hockey players to go play the goalie actual for a hockey players. Bit. Hey, goalies, you're not real hockey players. I know what you're saying though. It's like well, kickers. It's like, hey, kicker guy, we need you to play corner. We're all out of corners. <laughs> if this does happen every now and then, why not just have three goalies? Well, that's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's really rare, I'm sure. But still, I'm with Christian. That would be my thing. I'm like, give me a defenseman yeah. who could throw on the gear and play a little goalie. Like, like, hey, Bob, you played a little goalie back in college, didn't you? Oh, yeah, you betcha. I can play in there. It would be like a catcher for Major League Baseball. You carry two catchers, but there's an emergency third-string catcher who's like a – First baseman who played it in college right. or in the minor leagues a couple of times. Or in high school. Yes. I mean, it's not brain surgery. Just stand back there and, and get in the way. I mean, if you're going to spot me a 6-1 lead, if I played goalie ever at any level, I would think I could probably stay alive here, keep you in the game. But jockstrap to it's him. a great story, though. They give him 500 bucks. Oh, whoa, on, whoa, whoa, Matt Kuchar. Take it easy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. 500 bucks. Yeah. In, in the, I was listening to a national talk show, and they said that league minimum – for a player divided by the number of games would be nine thousand dollars. They paid him five hundred bucks, <laughs> How and they is that said even this legal? is this is a common practice for emergency goalies in hockey. They'll give him like five hundred bucks. Like if he walked in and they he gave up twelve <laughs> goals and they lost, that's fine. Yeah, but I mean, this dude will help win the game for you. You got to give more than that. That's ridiculous. I mean, some of the players should have given him like a hundred dollar tip, right? I don't know what's less. Like professional sports league, like grabbing jackass off the zamboni, <laughs> or giving him five hundred bones. That's ridiculous. Oh, he is a uh, regular practice goalie for the Marlies, which is the Toronto affiliate there, and he has attended Maple Leafs practices and skill sessions in the past, and, and works out with the team. How old was he? Works this out guy? with Toronto. Forty-two, forty-four, oh something like that. He yeah. worked out with Toronto, but he jumped on the Carolina. Yes. For five hundred bucks, yeah. Turncoat. What kind of loyalty is that? That's what I'm saying. What a what a jerk. He said that this is part of hockey. That hockey players have a special bond. That they, as long as you give a hundred percent for the team that you're playing for, everyone respects that. They don't care if you were a Toronto Maple Leaf employee who drives a Zamboni. You're now part of us, and if you're giving it everything, we respect you. You know, I was. I've never seen the uh, Miracle on Ice movie, whatever it's called. With your wrestling. What? Really? What's it called? Miracle on Ice? Miracle on Ice. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Mir- it's just called Miracle, Miracle actually. Miracle. It's just called Miracle. I've never seen okay. it. Uh, I was watching at the gym last night with captions. I couldn't hear it. I had my headphones on. <laughs> well, they didn't have any audio on. But um, 
I kind of want to see it now. I'd never seen it before. It's pretty good. Yeah, it was really good. Barrett Salee was tweeting about it. He said it's one of the best, I think he said top 10 sports movies of all time. I don't know. And, and the speech he gives is yeah. pretty I didn't hear the speech. Powerful. But you I've, read I've, it. I've heard it before. Oh. Uh, I've heard the real, I think I've heard, not the real speech, but I've heard the uh, the movie clip before. And the the thing that one of the things that stood out about the part of the movie I saw when I was working out last night is that it said, uh, he says, I'm not really into giving speeches. They were celebrating Christmas. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm not really a big speech guy. So for him to give such a great speech, I guess was a little out of the ordinary. My best game ball of the weekend. I really don't have any jock straps other than, well, I guess I do have one big one. But uh, my biggest game ball of the weekend goes to a guy named George Hood. Now, don't get me wrong. In some ways, this is a little bit stupid, kind of like, you know, if like you're the best cup stacker in the world, I'm like, who cares? But George Hood is 62 years old, and he just set a world record for the longest plank in history. Like the planking position, mm-hmm. which we all know how difficult it is to sit in the plank position. He held it for, you want to guess how long? What the record is? A couple hours. Two hours and 20 minutes. It's a great guess. What do you think? Like three hours. Eight hours, 15 oh, minutes, wow. and 15 seconds. The old record was like an hour and 20 minutes just, just, just 10 years ago. He obliterated it. Obliterated it. The female record is held by a woman from Canada who's held it for over four hours. He's a former Marine and a retired DEA agent, and he's broken the record for longest plank before, and it was just an hour and 20 minutes. That was back in 2011. He broke it again in 2016. Then he lost it to a guy from China who held it for just over an hour. He lives in Naperville. He trained, listen, this is the thing, trained every day for an average of seven hours for the 18 months leading up to the day. He says, and get this is what got me. It's four to five hours a day in the plank pose. Then I do 700 push-ups a day, 2,000 sit-ups a day in sets of 100, 500 leg squats a day. For upper body and the arms, they do approximately 300 arm curls a day. And totally did 2,100 hours of planking to prepare for the event, according to Guinness. The guy's 62 years old. Does it have a picture of him? Uh, online, yes. Is you he can jacked? Find He's jacked. He's tan. He looks really good. 62. I, I wish I looked that good at 22, let alone 62. Does Amazing. He, does he read while he's planking? What's he do to pass Listens the to time? music. He says, you think you're at a rock concert. He said, I always had a fantasy of being a rock star in the 80s, and at least for those eight hours, 15 minutes, and 15 seconds, I was a rock star. He said he cranked it up. Listened to a lot of Van Halen, among others. Um, let's see what else we got here. There were a couple other interesting things. Uh, he says... This will be his last time breaking the world record for planking. His next goal is to set the Guinness World Record for most push-ups completed in an hour, which is currently 2,806. Mm. No thanks. I mean, 2,806 in an hour? I don't know how many you can do in an hour. How many seconds are in an hour? Uh, 60 times 60. 3,600? Yeah. So you're one every two seconds? Or no, one every, yeah. Second and a half, yeah. It's insane. It's insane. Uh, there was another thing in here. He was talking about sort of the mental difficulty of all this. He says, uh, he was talking about like, you know, your elbows start bleeding. And I mean, it's just like, golly, dude. Oh, here you go. The burning will set in those elbows. And the skin will break and they bleed. When that happens, my coach talks me through it. And I take lots of water and eventually they go numb. When the numbness sets in, I'm generally pretty good. It's just a matter of being tired and wanting to stop. Here's the one good thing about this. He says no matter how much he wanted to stop, he had to keep going because he was doing it for a bigger reason. He was doing it to help raise mental health awareness. Obviously, he's got extensive background in the military and law enforcement, and he says uh, it's often stigmatized. So he had a cause in addition to showing off the fact that he's a super planker. It's amazing. You know what? For next year's Festivus, the feat of strength, I think we need Wes to do three hours of planking. No. (laughs) It's out. 
No way. Fine, you can do push-ups for three hours. It's up to you. There we go. Something for three hours. Why don't you want to do it? Wes is the strong, I mean, he's the strong man. Yeah, let's let Wes do it. You are the strong man, Wes. Yep. You're right, Kristen, you're on to something. Okay, Wes, it's all set. Perfect. Navy Mike. Hey, guys. Um, You know, Justin, isn't planking just basically laying down? No. No. Not any, Mike, Mike did, come on. Surely. I mean, I've seen, I've, I've seen it on social media. and it, You know, it's kind of like, like doing a radio show. It's way harder than it looks. <laughs> okay. I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll buy it. But, um, you know, I, I called the Tyson Fury fight. Oh, you were an announcer? Congratulations. I, well, I said um, I said it would, he'd knock him out in the fourth. Oh, okay. It actually was a finish. He finished him in the seventh, but the the blow that well, really just took, took the wind out of himself it happened in the fourth. That right, that he smashed him in the head, <clears throat> in the ear with that right hand, and him. It just didn't seem like Wilder had his his legs under him, you know, for the rest of the fight. After that, it, he just looked out on his feet almost. Yeah, he could. They could have um, easily stopped that fight earlier. And Mark Breland. And what's weird is, so I didn't realize this until today. I started reading up on their background. So he has two coaches basically, and they have sort of a head coach slash coordinator breakdown. Mark Breland, who's a former professional boxer as well, was one yeah, of the coaches. He's the one that threw the towel in, and apparently the other guy, who I had never heard of before, had encouraged him not to throw the towel in, and they did it anyway. And so he said he said in post-fight press conference, I'm going to have to go back and sort through that. But, yeah, you got to give a jockstrap to uh, – I mean, it's not so much even a jockstrap as, as a game ball for Fury. Fury was phenomenal the entire time. and. Yeah. Wilder was, yeah. uh, I mean, it was over early. I mean, you could tell, like, after the second round that Fury didn't have it. I mean, um, I'll have a listen, guys. Y'all take care, man. Okay, bye. When you s- it, Wilder didn't have it, excuse me, after, the, like, early on. It was, it was, and it was not a particularly entertaining fight because you could tell a few rounds in that Wilder had no chance. He was not going to be able to muster anything. Now, again, you always got the, the one-shot deal, but he looked he looked drunk is what he looked like after he got smacked. Now, they said he did not have a broken eardrum. They said he had a cut inside his ear, and maybe that affected him. But you could see blood spewing out of there. It was nasty, but it was it was, it was was not a particularly entertaining fight, and Fury was in control from the very outset to me. After the first round, it was really no question. The other thing that sucked is there was a long undercard, and it was not even reasonably entertaining. It was really just not – had a great time at Brewski's, packed house, great environment, a lot of fun, great service considering how busy they were. I was blown away by how impressive that was. But overall, the fights I thought were very middling, and that's part of boxing's problem. I was really rooting for Wilder because America needs a significant, notable, memorable heavyweight, and he was on course, couldn't afford to lose that fight. Now, maybe in the third fight, if they fight again, he gets a spectacular win and he's back on track. But that was a big setback. But a lot of, a lot of the, you know, I mean, most of the, the greats have, have lost at one point or another. When you said Friday that Fury weighed in his lowest weight, I was like, "Oh no, that's not a good sign." He was at what two seventy three. That's all. He was in shape for this fight. He was in phenomenal shape considering. And if you even look back at the fight before, there was a lot of stuff hanging over the belt, and there wasn't nearly as much this time. No, he looked a lot better, and he. Uh, it was funny because I was looking through Barstool Sports today, and he was doing a uh, pizza review with Dave. And so they were they were at this pizza place, and he he told his guys like, "Hey, go inside and get me a diet coke." And so like that's one big thing he mm-hmm. gave up was twenty to thirty diet cokes a day. He said he was drinking is ridiculous, but he, he still leaned on Wilder throughout the fight, and it clearly had an impact. Well, and you said Wilder was the heaviest that he had ever been for a fight. Was I didn't that, say that good weight? Or well, somebody told us that well, yeah. I, during the weigh in that was the most he's ever weighed. Yeah, 
Was it good weight? He looked amazing. He did look amazing. I okay. thought he looked phenomenal until he was on the canvas. He didn't look so great there. Yeah, it was it was a total mismatch. So the question becomes, you know, the first fight was somewhat controversial, the decision. This fight was a no-brainer. This was an obvious domination by Fury. What what happens now? I think it's contracted that they have to fight again or will fight again. It probably happened in Britain. But um, you, know, you start wondering if you're Wilder, do you want it again? And if you're Fury, here's the good news. Both those guys are going to make a pile of cheese if they go at it again. Do they? Does America or does the boxing world want another fight? I would. That's pay, what will decide it. I'd pay for it again, okay. no doubt. I just think he got caught early, you know, and he was never the same. I just don't think he could even put up a – he could not muster a legitimate defense to Fury after about the second round. It was it was a mismatch, total mismatch, maybe three or four rounds in, I guess. But, yeah, you could tell. And we were debating. It was like, it's like, oh, you never know. You never know. Big punch, big punch. I'm like, no, this dude looks out on his feet. He looked completely uncomfortable. He was holding on for dear life for a few rounds. And it wasn't just like he was, you know, knocked around like he was, you know, concussed. Mm-hmm. He just didn't look right, like he couldn't get his feet under him. Even when you're, you see guys that are a little bit shaky mentally, they usually, I mean, he just looked completely, he looked like a newborn giraffe. Well, I listened to a national guy, and he said the fight was over. There was no way he was going to win the fight because he couldn't, his legs were gone. He didn't have enough power to knock him out. And he's not going to outpoint Fury in any fight. Not in that condition. No, especially not in that condition. His only chance to win is by a knockout. Well, I wouldn't say that because I thought there was a likely – because, again, he was busier in the first fight. Remember, we talked about that mm-hmm. last week. He had more – threw more punches. He was not as accurate as Fury was, but he was busy, and he wasn't busy this one because, again, I think he was almost afraid to throw. I mean, he just looked so uncomfortable doing anything, let alone trying to throw punches. But at this point, he was so far behind, he wasn't going to win oh, no, by outpointing yeah. him. No, no, no. And that's no. why they threw in the towel. They're just they're, You're not going to win. You're only creating more damage. Let's get out while we can. Sure. But, I mean, again, you know, he would probably make the argument, hey, I only needed to land one shot. But you're right. I mean, in his mind, he still felt like it was yeah. there. But all of us watching were thinking there's no way. There's he's no not, power. Yeah, he's not throwing anything with any kind of, you know, with any kind of intention. He did say that he was disappointed that his side threw in the towel. Yeah. Well, that's a big thing for him, apparently. He's a, he's a guy that wants to go out. He doesn't want to quit, yeah. I guess. And so, again, he'll have a chance to prove himself, like you said. I mean, it wasn't going to change the outcome anyway. If you lose by TKO or somehow you miraculously hold on and lose in 12, you're going to lose anyway. I'm just surprised a little bit, too. When you have blood coming out the ear, that there's not ringside doctor or somebody saying, oh, that's enough. They that's took a peek a at scary. him. I think it was just the cut. I mean, okay. obviously they felt like it wasn't a broken eardrum. Apparently he could hear okay. It's like, can you hear me okay? Yes. You're getting your ass kicked. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, John. Hey, Justin, I truly believe uh, Razorbacks going to have to win that SEC tournament to get in the dance. Tell me what you think about that. I do not agree that they have to win the SEC tournament to get in the dance. But they're going to have to have a lot of things go right over the next couple of weeks for them to get in. Yeah, if you, if you can win out, somehow win out, finish 9-9, nine and nine, then all of a sudden the NCAA Select Selection Committee can go back and say, look, with Isaiah Joe on this team, they're 9-4. and four. They oh. went 0-5 oh without him. That makes a huge difference. The narrative already started in yeah. postgame. Eric Musselman started making the case immediately after in the postgame yeah. interview with Chuck that we are a completely different team with Isaiah Joe in the lineup. So, yeah, they're going to sell that narrative, but now you got to make it stand up by winning your games. Winning. And Lenardi made that point, too. So it's that is there. That basis is there. That's something that, that that's going to be talked about from here on out as long as they keep winning. If you win, yes, I think you're in. Even if, and this was all from Lenardi, I think it's a little iffy, but he said 50% chance greater if you win three out of the last four and one. 
at the SEC tournament. He feels like there's greater than 50% chance they get in the tournament. It would be nice. Yeah, it'd be a bonus. No one was expecting that. Well, and the thing is, too, Wes, look, you shoot yourself in, you shoot yourself out. But this team shoots it well enough that they could beat, you know, a team or two if they have a hot night. No, that's a great point, Justin. They shot very well and won by 10. If they don't shoot well, they could have lost that They did, game. but Mason was awful. I mean, shooting it. Well, you know what I mean? No, it was all Desi and Isaiah. I think Mason Jones, if, if not from the free throw line, this guy doesn't even get double digits, but – he struggled, and, and Coach Musselman talked about it after the game. This is new for him. He's got to he's got to get used to playing with Isaiah again. He's used to being the yeah. guy and shooting it and taking it and go do whatever you want to. Well, now they don't need that. Now he was their leading rebounder, so he did yep. other things, which and is great. Assist. Yep. Ten fifty one. Be back in a second. Wrap it up. If you got any game balls or jock straps, bring them on. You can send them through the email, the zone at one zero three seven thebuzz dot com. Keith Lee Service Company live fan feedback. Or you can call us 433 <laughs> Welcome back at the Zone 1055. Breaking news out of the world of entertainment slash law. Harvey Weinstein has been on trial in New York, has been convicted today. After a lengthy deliberation, they've come back with a guilty verdict at his sexual assault trial. Followed weeks of graphic testimony, and now we will find out what happens to Harvey. But certainly, uh, this is a milestone, major, whatever you want to call it, moment in legal history because of the nature of the uh, of the accusations. And, again, there was a long debate. And, actually, they had come back and asked the judge if they could convict on certain parts of the claims or certain charges and then uh, be hung on others. And so there was a debate about that. But, anyway, so they've come back and, and convicted him. I don't have a lot of details. This is just now coming down. But, anyway, there you go. It's kind of cool to follow the trial. Through Chanley Painter. Yes. Who used to work here in Little Rock and or used to work with me at Fox 16 and KRK, now with Court TV. And uh, she was their main correspondent there at the trial. So it was pretty neat following her on Twitter and seeing some of the updates. She was on the morning show uh, a couple weeks ago. She's hmm. really good. Gave an update. I mean, it's been, it was a long trial, obviously. But uh, anyway, there you go. We'll see what happens. Uh, you've got a question of the day? Yes, we do. Are you upset? The SEC denied Arkansas's request to hold the spring game at War Memorial Stadium. Uh, we've had it up for about 30 minutes now and 126 votes. How would you guess? How do you think the fans feel about this? Are they upset about the spring game being taken away? I think a lot of people in central Arkansas are somewhat upset. I heard Tommy Smith complaining about it and was upset about it. Uh, I think Tommy Price speaks for a lot of people. I'm not nearly as upset as I would have been if it was an actual game. but We're talking about practice. Yeah. Well, the the thing that's significant here, Wes, is it's the first Pittman appearance mm-hmm. as a coach with this new look team. So I think there will be more interest in this spring game than maybe one three years down the road. So Good I point. can see that side of it. What did Pittman tell us about the uh, playing in Little Rock? Remember, we you I think you asked him yeah. his feelings. Well, he said they basically had a date, but he was he said it hadn't been cleared yet. I was like formality. Yeah, guess not. Thanks, SEC. Seventy three point four percent are not upset means 26.6 are upset with the SEC. It's about a 3-1. to one. I'm, I have a lot of questions. We can talk about this later, about the whole denial and the request. I, I wonder why Arkansas even thought they were going to get approval for this because you, you have to have some special circumstances not to play the game on campus. Yeah, I would have thought they would have that ironed out long before now. <laughs>